welcome to the Finding Joy podcast. Here on the podcast, we hear stories from women who are living out their faith-filled adventures. We cover all things dreams, home life, work life, and faith. And my hope is that these conversations encourage you to live your own life to the full. I'm your host, Jordan. I'm a graphic designer and founder of Honey and Gold, designing products that encourage you to have more of God's Word in your heart and your home. Sometimes life is awesome, sometimes it's not, but we can still find joy in the midst of it all. Today, I'm chatting with one of my oldest friends, Rachel. We have known each other since our young adult single days. We've travelled Europe together, served in church together, and had more laughs than I can probably count. But we've also walked through some really hard times together. Rachel shares on this episode her journey through infant loss and the life of her son, Zachariah, who was stillborn 10 years ago. I'm so thankful for her friendship in my life and also thankful for the way that she shares her story with us so vulnerably today. One line from our conversation, grieve and keep moving, really resonated with me. I hope you will see the fingerprint of Jesus in Rachel's story, even in the midst of such heartache and questioning of God. Today, I'm finding joy with Rachel after infant loss. Here's our conversation. Hi, Rach. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jordan. I'm excited to be here. Now, I know you very well because we've known each other for many years, but those who haven't Mm -hmm. had that privilege, would you introduce yourself to everyone listening? Um, Thanks, Jordy. I'm Rachel, as Jordan said. I'm a wife to Luke. We've been married for 18 years. Um, Mum to Michaela. Michaela's in grade nine and Lauren, who is in grade eight. Um, I'm a primary school teacher, but now teaching in the secondary setting. So I teach year seven and eight. I teach English and humanities yep. at our local high school. Um, and I was chappy for a while as well, which is actually how I got into high school teaching. So I was the chaplain at our school two days a week while working at the church and doing primary teaching. So that was a busy season, um, but it was exciting and it um, really just opened up the door um, to go into secondary teaching. And I'm also a worship leader. I head up the worship um, coordination at our church. So good. You've done lots of things in your life. Yeah. And Rach and I were bridesmaids for each other. We have been through a lot together. I don't even know how many years mm. we've known each other. How many do you reckon? Like a star, I should have calculated this before, but oh, like 20 a good plus. 20, right? Good 20 years. Easy tw- easy 20. Yeah, that's want to say 25. So old. 25, yeah. <laughs> it makes us feel so old. It makes I know. feel old when you but say that. But a long time. We've had a lot of life, met yes. at church, um, just did lots yes. of young adult life together. Look, we'd had weekends away. We, like you said, we travelled overseas, which was really special times, great yep. memories. Um, and we enjoyed living out our singleness together. We did. It's still the prime of my life. Well. I still look back at that time, yeah. all those weekends away yeah. that we did, girls' weekends, just hanging out. Yeah. We had a bunch of guys' friends who lived all together and we just always hang out every weekend. Yeah. I still yeah. look at those. They're kind of like my glory days when I'm in the thick of, like, parenting <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, I know. You know, yeah, they were good. we were really were intentional <laughs> about Yeah, they were, and we were really intentional about that. I think we, I remember having many deep and meaningful discussions that we would just say, acknowledge that our singleness at the time was a gift and we would never get it back again, um, God willing. So we really lived each moment. We didn't pine after boys. We didn't, Well, we did a little bit. Come on, let's be honest. Well, a little bit, but it didn't, you know, it didn't consume us. No, not at all. We were just like, hey, we're single. This is a gift. Let's live it well. And um, I remember some conversations. We were like, oh, you know, when we had to resolve our 
any conflict or issues. It was like, oh, this is good practice when we're married, and it absolutely was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. They're the rich days. I love them. So, but yeah, you've also so traveled, like we've traveled together. We've done the UK thing. We've done around Australia yeah. a bit, um, did Paris together. Oh, the glory days. They yeah. were really good. But you and Luke have also <laughs> traveled a lot. I know you've, we, both of us have lived in Africa before at different mm. times. Um, yeah. Tell us a bit about that and your travels there and stuff like that. Yeah. So Luke and I were married um, and about three months later, after a certain wedding, actually, um, <laughs> we we moved to Uganda um, and we worked for Watoto and then we were there until January. So that was like September to January. We were in Uganda and we trained with the Watoto Children's Choir and then Luke and I were team leaders of that choir through Canada and the US on a nine-and-a-half-month tour. Mm. It was pretty epic. Yeah. Um we almost did a whole circle of the states in Canada. It was amazing. Um, so other than that travel, that was that was intense travel. Um, we obviously spent a little bit of time in Africa and uh, my brother lives in the States, so I've also travelled there to visit him. So good. Yeah. You live a full, you've lived a full adventurous life, that's what I think. When I think of you and Luke, yeah, you're so intentional sure. and you've, you choose adventure, I think, every time. I think it's so awesome. So... I want to pivot yeah, a little bit because sure. I do want to talk today mainly about awesome memories, but also I do want to talk a little bit about um, you had a third child. So we had Michaela and Lauren, yep. easy pregnancies, fell pregnant straight away, um, great great pregnancies, easy births. They were amazing. We went, oh, this is great. We'll just keep going. We wanted, um, you know, four kids. And so then we got pregnant again and we miscarried. Um, that was a surprise, but everyone told us how normal it was. It didn't feel normal, but, no, it doesn't, you know, that's medically, yeah. Yeah. medically that's what they said. So they said, you know, you can try again. So we did and then um, miscarried again but found out they were actually twins. So lost the twins early on in pregnancy. Um, and, of course, they said, you know, keep going. That's that's okay, you know, just keep going. Um, and so we did. And as soon as I was pregnant that next time, um, I was put under the care of one of the head obstetricians at the Ipswich Hospital, um, who was a lovely man, and um, he met with me weekly. Um, he felt that I needed that emotional support. Um, yeah, so I met with him weekly, put me on some medication to try and hold the baby, and um, which it did. Uh, and then it time, came time for that 19, magic 19-week 19 scan. Um, I was feeling hesitant the whole time, you know, just waiting. Was I going to miscarry again? Mm. Not wanting to get my hopes up, just yeah. trying to protect my heart. Um, and so we had that scan and, you know, within 30 seconds <laughs> yeah. that something's not okay by the radiographer's sudden silence and solemn, you know, face. Um, so I guess my worst fears were confirmed in that moment. And she said, oh, you'll need to go and see your doctor straight away. And so mm. I remember walking down the hallway just thinking, and we had our girls with us. Mm. Um, they were young, like three and three and four, I think, two and three. Um, and we just walked into the doctor's office and he said, yeah, there seems to be a problem and, you know, we needed lots of tests and, and that sort of thing following that announcement that our baby had a condition that wasn't compatible with life. Mm. So what does that what what are you feeling in that moment? That is the worst thing I think when you know the 
ultrasound people and you know you can't they can't give you any answers and then that in between waiting and then what do they say like what does not compatible with life mean and what does that look like and what is that conversation yeah so it was it was um I don't know it confirmed what I felt in my heart Mm. actually um you already knew something was obviously before even they diagnosed I guess I just I just didn't want to be let down I guess um I just was like oh I don't want to get too excited there was even a target sale the week before the scan (laughs) and I'm like no don't buy anything we don't know what's happening so we had that scan um so immediately we were um given our options so options to terminate or to uh, to keep the baby um we were given a referral to the head obstetrician at the Marta Mothers Hospital so we went and saw that lovely um, doctor up there and, again, was like, well, yeah, we can we can terminate this pregnancy. And I was just like, oh, just wait, just wait. We we need to just sit with this for a bit. Um, they're like, oh, okay, yep, we can do that. Well, this is your time frames and whatever. Um, so we just went home and we told our family. We, we just wanted to pray. We just wanted to sit with it. Um, we didn't want to terminate the pregnancy. At the same time, we wanted to do all the tests that we could to find out, you know, like you say, what does not compatible with life mean? Mm-hmm. What was the chance of this baby living? And, um, yeah, he had something called an omphalocele, which is where a number of his organs were developed outside of his body. Um, so we had heart tests, we had all the tests, and, of course, no one's going to say 100% this baby's going to pass away, but it looked very much like that was going to happen. Um, but we didn't have a piece about terminating the pregnancy. Um, and you know, on that, I just want to say that you never want to be in a position where that's even a choice you get to make. Um, and just lay no judgment to anyone who's been in that position and made a choice the same or different to us. It's such a difficult, difficult place to be, um, so we sat with that. We found out that it was a boy that we were pregnant with, which was bittersweet because mm. my first thought was, Luke, you can go fishing. Oh, no. Yeah. No, that's not going to happen. Um, it was just like, oh, God, really? Um, that that was our reality. And so we decided to keep the baby and just live out the pregnancy, whatever it was going to look like. Do you feel like you yeah. still had hope? Like, do you think there was still that, like, did you pray for a miracle in that time? Do you think you were still hopeful that God would do a miracle? Were you, yeah, where was that? Where did you, that's yeah, a hard, so oh, it's a we, hard thing, like, yeah. Yeah, but um, God was very clear, actually, for us in our circumstance because okay. to deal with the news, we had, I had to set up a safe bubble around myself, an emotionally safe bubble. So we were living out, we are still living out in the Lockyer Valley, about an hour west of Brisbane. Um, and so I was working at the local school part-time. We had our local coffee shop um, and had church. And so we communicated with those three spheres of my life at the time yeah. what was happening and they told their people what was happening. And so when I would go to the coffee shop, they're not like, oh, wow, you're pregnant. How's it all going? Sure. Because that's 
you know, I had to protect myself emotionally from sure. telling the story. And it's quite a conversation killer, actually, okay. <laughs> when you I need to imagine. say, yeah, no, my, my babe's not going to live. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, to look after everyone, it was in my best interest. And there's that we set up just bubbles of safety. Um, not that I didn't want to talk about it, but I didn't want to have to explain it. Um, so obviously our church were believing with us for a miracle and and we knew that God could, if he chose to, bring a, a miracle for Zachariah. And so we said to our, you know, our church congregation, go for it. If you want to pray for a miracle, we'll believe with you. Uh, but Luke was mowing the yard one afternoon and he was just crying out to the Lord and just saying, God, you know, bring a miracle, bring a miracle. And he said it was like everything just went silent around him. And the voice of God said, you already have your two miracles. Uh, talking about Lauren and Michaela. And so in that moment, we knew that the miracle for Zachariah was not going to happen here on earth, that he his healing would happen in heaven. Um, and so we were able to sit with the peace of hearing God's word. Um, God speaks a personal word. He has the word, but he also speaks a personal word. And I'm not going to claim someone else's personal word for me and then get upset why it doesn't happen. We just sought God for our word. And our word was Michaela and Lauren were the miracles um, that God was on hand was on my womb for their pregnancies. Little did we know, we just thought we were very clever (laughs) and made it all happen ourselves. Um, But um, God had other plans. Mm. It also made me realise that we probably should have actually committed our children desire a dream of a family to the lord yeah we before kind of thought, we even started yeah yeah that's yeah. right it's like oh, you don't stop it too you like you know you have more more you know it seems more godly to have more children or something yeah that was yeah. The, some sort of thinking i had in my mind and so it didn't even cross my mind to seek the lord lord do you want us to have a third child is this in your plan um so i would encourage anyone who's on that um, in those child rearing years to or child bearing years to just seek the Lord for your family, what's right for your Absolutely. family. Yeah. Um, so we knew the miracle wasn't going to come, and we had a peace about that because we heard the voice of God. So at that point, it was about surrendering to Him. Um, we didn't understand why this was happening, but we chose to trust the one who did understand it all. And so our faith in God was so paramount, just mm. in trusting in who God is, um, in trusting in, um, you know, not shaping God to our circumstances, but God shapes us in our circumstances Absolutely. that he brings along. How did you explain all that to your girls at the time? Like they, like you said, they were young, like yes, preschool kind of ages. How did that? Yeah. yeah. That's a big, heavy I responsibility. Mean, just, yeah, for sure. We um, We just told them that that the little baby was not going to live. That, did you name him you know, before? Mommy? Did you name him? We already? did. Yeah. yeah, we called him Zachariah. Yeah, we named him. And, um, yeah, we just told the girls that the baby wasn't going to live, that they weren't going to have a brother on earth, um, that he, they would have a brother in heaven. Um, and then we just decided to live life with Zachariah. If I ever tried, because no one really knew the end game, how was it going to all pan out? How long would I stay pregnant? Would he live after he was born? No one could give us the answers. And when my mind went down that track, I just became undone 
and unraveled and became a bit of a mess. So I really learned to live in the grace of each day, the grace that God had for me in the day. And we also learned to live in life, yeah. not death. Yeah. Because um, it was such a juxtaposition. I'm pregnant. Normally pregnancy means new life. But for us, it was going to mean a time of mourning and death. Yeah, it's like um, a ticking time bomb in a way, isn't it? Like you've got absolutely. This, even though you don't know when it's going to happen, you know, you know that the end is not great. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And so we learn to live in the grace of the day each day, um, and to celebrate his life because we own we we owed that to Zachariah to live life with him, and so. Um, I would sit on the trampoline pregnant and the girls would bounce Zachariah on the trampoline and they would come and kiss my belly and talk to him. We would sing our family song to him um, and just, yeah, as long as he was alive, we would live in that life, not live in death. And I think that came from a dream that we had um, which kind of challenged that thinking. I don't remember the details a lot, but we just had a dream that went, hang on a minute, we're living in grief and death already. Yes. We're called to live in life. Yeah. He's alive today, so I'm going to yeah. celebrate and honour his life. The Finding Joy podcast is brought to you by Honey and Gold, wall art, stationery and gifts beautifully designed to encourage you to have more of God's word in your heart and home. Head to honeyandgold.com.au and use the code FINDINGJOY for 10% off your order. Honey and Gold is designed for the days you need to be reminded of God's truth. Now it's back to the conversation. Can you take us yeah. to, and feel free to share as much or a little as you like, but the day yeah. that he was born, um, I know I remember Luke not being there. I remember it happening mm. quicker than you thought and things like that. Um, can you take yeah. us to that day and how that all happened and how long he lived yeah, for? Yes, so um, my parents were visiting to help out because Luke was away. He was um, on a tour with Suncorp Bank along with Mel Meninga and a psychologist called Dennis Hoiberg. And they were out speaking to country areas, encouraging men and uh, particularly farmers along the mental health line. And Luke, as a photographer, was out there capturing those moments. And um, the night before or the day before, I'd had some sort of niggles. Um, I was 32 weeks. I think I was 31 maybe. Can't remember. <laughs> 31 maybe, 31, 32 weeks pregnant. And, um, and so letting Luke know that and it was like he was – west of Townsville and it was like well I could get a flight now um but I didn't want to fly him home if nothing was actually happening so we just left it and then the next day around lunch just before lunchtime I started thinking oh actually this is happening and at that moment it was impossible to get Luke back he was not able to fly there were no flights available he wasn't in an area where there was an airport and it just wasn't going to happen. So um, my parents and I, we packed up the girls, we drove to my parents' place in Brisbane and then started to go into labour quite quickly. Mm. Um, called an ambulance because my dad needed to stay home with the girls. Yeah. Mum wanted to be with me. Um, at the same time, called a good friend um, who lived locally and who was a midwife herself. Um, she ended up driving mum in, met them in there. Um, my, my darling mom doesn't cope with seeing her kids in pain. So I remember being in the hospital room and mom's on the ground, <laughs> preventing herself from fainting, holding my hand. Um, and they were prepping me for surgery because, uh, at the time Bubby was breached. 
Is that when it's across? Yeah, yeah breach. So. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, and so at that moment, yeah, he was breach um, and still alive, um, but they thought they'd have to do a, a caesarean. So um, my brother-in-law came up as a representation of his brother, of my of my husband, Luke. Um, my parents-in-law had got the call and they were on their way down as well. So I was wheeled off because labour, I do labour pretty quick. So wheeled off into theatre and I had already um, wanted to have a, um epidural because I thought the pain of my heart <laughs> of... Um, you know. Yeah, I get you. And the pain of the down, nether regions, you don't want both, right? <laughs> I didn't want both. So if I could eliminate one, <laughs> I was all for it. Yes, I get yeah. that, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they they got me all set up. Um, meanwhile, um, Zachariah had moved and he had passed away during labour. Yeah. Um, which was a real blessing because it would have been a painful birth for him. Mm. So God is so good. And it turns out that um, my obstetrician, the head guy, happened to be on call that same night. And so he was able to deliver Zachariah. Um, I can only testify to being carried the whole way through this pregnancy. It wasn't it wasn't a bumpy road. It should have been. But I can only testify to God's hand carrying me and Luke as a family through this journey, and his birth was no different. Um, everything was as good as it could have been under the circumstance. Um, you know, the right people were there. The best doctor was there. Yeah. Who knew um, you? Okay. Yeah, that's right. And, um, yeah, and then he was born just before midnight. I remember yeah, you so saying too would... at the time, Rach, that there was a, you know that I love you. <laughs> I'm just trying to say this in a respectful way, but, you know, I remember you saying that you it was neither of you saw him alive. It wasn't like Luke missed out and he passed yeah. away shortly after he was yeah. born and things like that. That's that you right. saw God's hand in that also. That yeah, yeah, absolutely. it wasn't like you experienced something that Luke didn't. Um, yes. So I, you know, you can see God in those those details, as heartbreaking as they are. You can yeah. still see God's hand in that. And, in and that that's space. the bittersweetness of life on earth. You know, the bitterness of our circumstances, the bitterness of living in a world of sin, and yet the sweetness of the presence of Jesus in those moments. It's a bittersweet life that we live. Um, but I can only testify, that's right, to the grace of Jesus in those moments, in those details, big and small, he just made a way and he just made it the best mm. it could have been. Mm. Yeah, I remember. Um, so they took him away and cleaned him up. And, um, yeah, I got to have him that whole night. Um, it was interesting, the midwife who was with me that night, the next day, she just said, I don't know why I was meant to be with you, but something in your stories touched my heart because um, I was able to share just a little bit about, you know, my faith. Um, so she even felt a sovereignty in her in her being there, which yeah, was wow. just beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I had him that night. I call it my one night with Zachariah. Um, and I, yeah, just kissed him and held him and, um, just was with him. Um, the next morning, uh, Luke was able to fly in and he came up and, uh, spent time with him and then 
grandparents came, um, the girls came, obviously. Um, so just uh, the close family came and were able to spend time and meet him and get photos with him and all that sort of thing. We got his feet prints and hand prints and everything that we could do at that time. So um, it came to the afternoon where uh, we could have, I could have had him for a second night, but I knew I needed to sleep and, you know, because I had girls to go home to um, and I didn't want to have that time without Luke either. So, yeah, it was, we just made the time when it was ready to say goodbye to him again and that was difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I remember his funeral um, <clears throat> under that tree, Zachariah's tree, mm. outdoors yeah. and just, um, yeah, super special. You guys did some really significant things and I think you mm. still do. Again, you live in that intentionality of remembering, you've done significant things, you have a memory box for him. Are there yeah. other significant <clears throat> things that you've built in, I guess, afterwards with the girls or, you know, at that time or even since that um, mm. help you remember or, yeah, just significant to his life? Yeah, I mean, I left hospital that day on Mother's Day, if you can believe it. <laughs> um, so Mother's Day is, you know, it's etched in my mind for a number of reasons, my beautiful girls, but also, Absolutely. you know, my little boy. Um, you know, it's really difficult as the years go by to know what to do each anniversary. We had had a, a, a 3D scan of Zachariah because we wanted to see him alive and we would typically watch that. But after a few years, it kind of became more traumatic than it needed to be. Um, it's, this, it's this line that you walk with grief. So how much do you make yourself go back to that raw, heartbroken place and how much do you go, it's okay, I'm, I'm able to remember him without incredible sadness and that yes. that very heavy cloak of grief. So <clears throat> as the years go by, I feel like the pressure's still there, particularly for his 10 years this year. It's like, oh, my yes. goodness, what do we do for 10 yeah. years? Yes. There's um, no rule book about these things, right? There's I no, know. No manual, right. brief manual, this is what you do and, yeah. That's it. That's it. Um, and so we've really just released ourselves of the pressure actually. I got out his memory box again and just, you know, touch things, smell things. Um, but then kind of went, it's okay, I can put that away now. I don't yeah. need to take myself back to that place year after year. Yes. Because God brings healing and he brings um, <clears throat> grace. Mm. You know, he brings grace to live life without that little being. Um, and life so builds around that grief then, doesn't it? Like life no longer is the grief, your life starts to form around it so that it's not the biggest part of your life, would you Absolutely. say? You know, like you, the rest of your life yeah. starts to build around it and it gives you that hope and that yeah. other things to, yeah, to live for. And That's focus right. You on. know, because when you believe in, an, in a God whose ways are perfect and whose ways are just, we have to trust that God's perfect ways for us is to be a family of four. Mm. That God has something for us that no other little people were meant to be a part of. And so holding on to that, that's what we press forward with. It's like, okay, we just had to regroup and go, okay, this is different to what we thought it would look like, but this is who we are. This is who God's called us to be. And we surrender our hopes and dreams to his and go, well, Lord, 
this is your plan. We're just going to keep living life. Let's keep moving. I think it's so important not to get stuck in places. Um, you know, deal with grief as it arises uh, and keep moving. Yes. Grieve yeah. and keep moving. Grieve and keep moving. Uh, and into what God has for us, into what the next season is. Um, that's what living life for Jesus is all about. We don't have time to waste away. We, every day counts, you know, yeah. like Jesus is coming back and he wants to bring everyone he can into his kingdom and we've got a job to do yeah. and we just need to seek him to find out what that is and just keep moving. Yeah, you do that so well. That's yeah. what I love about you guys as a couple, as a family. You can see that in your life. That Again, that intentionality just shines through and you just seize the day. Mm, I love it. It's you. really inspiring, Rach. So <laughs> you inspire me. Oh, thanks, Jordy. Yeah. Thank what you. would you say to, I know you're on the other side of this, what would you say mm. to someone maybe experiencing this, has experienced this recently, is where that grief, that ball of grief is still so massive mm. or is looming ahead of them? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would just encourage anyone in that situation just to stay close to Jesus just to lean into him. And honestly, there's just not a lot to say. Just love that person. Be empathetic. No one needs to hear, um, you know, the reasons why you, people think they're going through it. I remember someone said to me, oh, well, you know, God will use it to help other people. Just like, well, at the moment, stuff other people. Yeah. <laughs> My life's Don't tell me God's put me through this to help someone else. Sure. Now, you know, at this stage, yes, that's going to happen. Of course it is. But that's not why God allows these things to happen. So, you know, sometimes the less said, the better. Yeah. You know, just saying to someone, I'm so sorry you're going through this. I'm praying for you. Um, on a advice note, um, and, and we met with a couple who had been through this before us and the best advice they gave us was as a husband and wife not to judge each other's grief process, to think, to look at the other person and say, well, you're not grieving enough or for the other person to say, you're just a, you know, mosh pit of tears, like get over it, yeah. like to love and accept the other person for how they're grieving um, and keep those communication lines going as well. Um, that was really important um, and also, you know, as I touched on before, to go with the grief as it wells up, just to go with that process. Give yourself mm. space to grieve, to grieve. Um, yeah, and as, you know, if that was a friend going through that, just to love them, just to go and have a cup of tea with them, mm. um, you know, not to give advice but just to love them, to be empathetic um, and just show your love and care practically just in those words, those very few words. Yeah. yeah. I think the older I've gotten and life has, yeah, life, when you go through life experiences, I think you understand more and more the power of just your presence with people, that you don't have to yeah. say the most profound thing. You don't have to provide, make it yeah. better. It's not your job to make it better, but just the That's power right. of your presence in being there and just saying, sorry, I'm sorry that, that you're experiencing Absolutely. this. Like, that is the most yes. profound and helpful thing probably that yeah. anyone can say when someone's going through grief of any kind really, um, isn't it? Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah, any yeah. grief. Yeah. yeah. But just the power of people's presence, being with someone in that space, walking that That's journey right. with being someone, present. checking in mm -hmm. and being that person that is, you know, holding up their head and um, on their heart, you know, just being yeah. around. Yeah. 
for sure. Yeah, I that's think that's something right. I've learned for sure. Yeah. So I feel like I don't even know where to go from here. This has been amazing to chat through <laughs> and honour his life and I'm yeah. so thankful for all that you've shared, Rach, and I know it will encourage anyone, someone listening um, to this. Um, well, I pray that it does, um, that it encourages them. Um, yeah, is there anything absolutely. else that you wanted to share in that space before we move on to other things? Um, I think I just want to touch on just that surrender to God. You know, in our relationship with God, um, like I said, it's circumstances. We we live in life. The Bible says that we're going to have a tough life. He never yes. promises anything else. Yet sometimes we kind of blame God if we start going through bad stuff, like God owes us a good life or something. But I just want to encourage um, anyone listening that God is above circumstances um, and through all and every circumstance, he is our peace and he is our grace. And if he asks us to walk through something, he gives us the grace to walk through it. Um, so just to remain surrendered to Jesus. Um, you know, I still don't know what it was all about. I don't know why we went through miscarriages and a stillborn baby. I don't know, but I feel like I, I surrender that right to know. I don't demand answers from God. I'm happy to wait to get to eternity yeah. <laughs> and go, oh, okay, I get it. Or even if I don't, I'm not going to care because I'll be in the presence of God. <laughs> like, <what was laughs> and I'll that? get to meet Zachariah yeah. as well yeah. and, and our other babes. So just yeah. to surrender, to just remain surrendered yeah. um, and humble before the Lord and just trust him Yeah, that if he leads you to it, he'll lead you through it. Yeah. That's so yeah. good. And I think that posture leaves us more joy-filled than bitter. Like I think you have that choice, don't you, when you're faced with these things, you can choose which way to go. Absolutely. Um, and I think yeah. you're right, that way that you've chosen you and Luke together and as a family has brought life and yeah. life abundant to you um, amidst, yes. like you said, the bittersweetness of life. Like you just seize the yeah, day and live right. in every moment. So I think that's yeah. awesome. Thanks so much, Rich, yeah. for sharing that part. Yeah. Oh, you're so welcome. I love telling your story. So we finish each episode asking these same two questions of what's bringing you joy in your life right now and what are you reading, watching or listening to that you want to share? Yeah, so what are you so loving? I can't get past I can't get past the Macca's 30-day deals this month. Okay. okay? Um, so good. <laughs> I'm waiting for the McFlurry to come on like a $2 special. So my promise is to the girls after school, we'll go and grab that. We did yep. it a Sunday the other day. So um, nice. that's a little bit of you know, sunshine Macca's. and joy in November. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, the other thing is putting up the Christmas tree. Okay, so I'm very controversial. I know nothing divides a society more than when you put up your Christmas tree. And Are you I'm November people? November Christmas oh, tree. so good. Absolutely. Yeah. I would even normally have had it up last weekend, but dance concert, busy weekend, just yep. wasn't feeling it. So this weekend is the weekend. So, so a good. lot of joy there. That's awesome. Um, it I've turned to be a November person. my garden. Oh, sorry. What just happened? Oh, right? you have. I've, yeah, the last no, two years, I'm like November's good. I'm like November's it. Yeah, then I'm really ready to take it. It down really by is. The time. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's, right. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah, That's I've done right. enough. We've had enough. Um, <laughs> yeah. What was the other thing? <laughs> End up said? being a first homeowner. Yeah. So gardening. So yeah. it sounds a little bit no. older person. No. Um, but we've only had our home, our first home for five years. Yeah. Um, so getting into gardening. So I do love that coming home from work and just, we have, you know, a bit of, bit of property around. So walking around the gardens and pulling a few weeds, watering. Good for so the mental health. Cool. Um, yeah. It really is. And then, you know, to take a little bit deeper, um, yeah. really 
become um, making prayer more a part of my life. So we as a church did 21 days of prayer earlier in the year and just something within my spirit just went, yes, this needs to be more a part of my life. Mm. And um, so meet with um, a group of people and we just wait on God and it's so exciting because you get pictures and you hear words and it's just like a real living, breathing experience. So, um, yeah, Monday nights is our prayer meeting night and that is bringing me a lot of joy. So yeah, just good. seeking God. It's, it's it's really exciting. So that's I'm cool. excited at that change within me. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's awesome, Rach. <laughs> and anything you're watching, yeah. listening or reading at the moment? Um, assignments. Um, oh. My kids' school yeah. assignments. Fun, a bit of marketing going yeah. on. Um, yeah, that's right. I don't have – I actually don't have time so much during term to be reading anything, sadly. Yeah. So that's a holiday thing. I actually really love um, – like your f- Christian fiction, yep. I love that. I struggle with the non-Christian stuff, as good as they look, and I start with all intents and purposes. I don't make it through very well. Okay, um, but I do love a good, you know. Cool. So your Francine Rivers kind of, um, you know, yep. Francine Rivers. Okay. Yeah, that's yep. right. Love yep. all that stuff. Okay, cool. Um, actually, her her stuff speaks to me. Like, what is it? Um, the Sons of Encouragement. Yeah. Like that's helped shaped. Um, you know, like how important it is to seek God before making a move. Like in the Old Testament, they would, if ever they'd go, oh, let's go and fight these people, uh, and if God wasn't in it, they'd be annihilated. So yeah, like wow. not doing anything without waiting on God's yeah. um, on God's voice and his strategic plan. So yeah. that's that just sticks with me. That's resonated with me. Yeah. And you I don't even make really that mistake once when you're season out here. going to war without God. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, you'd think so. <laughs> you'd, you'd think you would. So. You would. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, we um, enjoy listening to Dr. David Jeremiah. Yep. He's got some great teaching series um, on Revelation, on heaven. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's he's great great to listen to. He's been teaching from the Bible for 50 years plus, so wow. real mature yeah. um, faith and teacher. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It's good. Great. Thank you mm. so, so much. Thanks for sharing and honouring Zachariah's life and your experience through grief and pointing us to Jesus when life um, doesn't turn out the way that we hope and plan, um, but that we can surrender to God through yeah. it all. So thank you so much, Rach. Absolutely. You're so welcome. Thanks for the chat, Jordan. I've loved it. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you did, why not take a screenshot and share on socials or with a friend? And we'd love it if you rated and reviewed the show so more people can hear and be encouraged. Don't forget to follow Honey and Gold on Instagram for the latest episodes and happenings. And we'll see you next time on the Finding Joy podcast. Thanks so much for listening.